0: Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com.
1: All right, if you have your Bibles, open up to Acts uh, chapter 13. If you don't have one, uh, one of the men or women that are walking up and down the aisles with Bibles, we'll give you one. You just need to give them a, I almost said you need to give them a finger, but no, don't give them a finger, just give them a hand, because I don't know what you'll do with that if I gave you that direction, so, um, and if you don't have a Bible, take this one and make it yours, but we do, if uh, Branches is your place, then bring your Bible. Because we want to be a people that are in the word. and We want you to take your Bible and mark in it and make notes and do what you need to do. So we um, are going through this series called Simple Church. Kind of talking about who we are and what does it mean to be a simple church. And we were uh, at the office the other day. And Dave Jansen said, you know, so we're a church for people that don't go to church. What does that mean? Now Dave was one of the probably original 10, 12 that planted branches and so he's looking at me going, so what does it mean to be a church for people to go to church? Like he really didn't know. And I'm thinking, oh, that's not good. <laughs> now Dave's a, f- man, he's a fairly smart guy. But if he doesn't know, then does anybody else know? Do we, and, and we, you know, it, it's, it gives us guidance. So part of being a simple church is knowing what your purpose is and knowing where you're headed. And for all of you who are here today and for those that aren't here that are listening on the podcast and you call branches your community of faith, You should probably know what you're getting yourself into. So when you hear that there's a church, for people who don't go to church, it's a good idea for you to know what you're getting sucked into. Because you may think you know, but that doesn't mean you know. In fact, um, well, I was going to go on a side story. But that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about our purpose, how this church came to be, how we got to this place. And so that's why I want you to be in Acts chapter 13. Because that was the passage for me that pushed me and my family over the edge to be sent out to be involved in planting branches. So go to Acts chapter 13. We're going to be in just the first three verses. And um, so I have a friend that I met through some other friends. He's a a Zambian. Um, So he's from the country of Zambia in Africa. And he started this. And many of you have heard him come here and speak before. uh, Moffat Zimba. And he planted this university called Northrise University. And the story is a powerful story. Um, simple, though. Very simple. He felt a calling. And he and his wife were in a Bible study. And um, he said, I got something to tell you. She goes, no, I need to tell you first. And they had the same calling at the same time. We got to plant a university. They had no money. They had nothing. And they're like, well, how are we going to pull this off? And then the rest is history. So he had this university planted and uh, we were talking, he said, could you come and do a two-week session for my students on the book of Acts? And so I was studying through it, and while I was studying it, though, I ran across this passage in Acts 13, and I was involved at Shoreline, and my role at Shoreline was, it was an outreach pastor. They had let me write my own job description, and um, part of that was this passion that we had to see people find their calling, for people to be empowered to go out and serve, and one of those roles was to help our church to plant churches. And of course, you know, my goal was to help other people to plant churches, not me. Other people, send them out. So we're going through Acts, and I'm studying it, and I'm reading a book from John Stott on the book of Acts. And as I'm studying that passage, it turned everything upside down. So this is from the message translation, and we're only doing three verses. There's so much we could go through, but we're going to focus on these three verses. And so there's a congregation or a church in Antioch. Anyone here ever heard of the church, not in the United States, but the church of Antioch? Anyone ever familiar? Everyone been there, hung out there? Esh, Okay, so that's it. Right, which makes sense because it's a very tiny little church. Um, this congregation, this little church was blessed with a number of prophet, preachers, and teachers. Now, what does that mean? Like you read that, ooh, they were big-time prophets. They were big-time preachers and teachers. These were normal people, okay? We typically see some title and we're like, oh, these are normal people. In fact, to, to show you their normalness, so Barnabas, um, and you know Barnabas because he's all through the book of Acts, and he's the one that made sure that um, the disciples actually accepted Saul or Paul, um, and Barnabas had a nickname. That, that's normal, isn't it, right? Like, hey, Rocky, hey, who here has a nickname? Anyone here? I'm not going to call you out and make you come in. So, all right, yeah. Hairspray, JT, you didn't even raise your hand. You have one. No one ever calls you John. Your name's John. There's a hundred of you. So we got to give you a nickname, right? So Barmas gets his nickname, Simon. Now, we don't know if Simon was African. We don't know if he was dark-skinned, but he got a nickname. And his nickname was Niger, which is another way to say Blackie. That was his nickname. When we go to um, El Salvador, we have friends down there, and they call me uh, and some other people Chele, which means whitey. And they'll have other people down there that are actual um, Salvadorians. And, you know, a lot of Salvadorians are dark-skinned, but the ones that are lighter-skinned, whiteies, they call them Chele. So these are normal people. They give them nicknames, and they even include this, right? If it's all real formal and it's in the Bible, it better be formal. They're throwing out nicknames. Lucius the Cyrenian, like... Well, that's a nickname, kind of, but uh, Manan, an advisor to the ruler Herod, and then Saul. Who's Saul? Paul. Like, these are normal people. They're weirdos, but they're normal, just like you weirdos. And these were the leaders of this small little church. And so it says that they had these prophets, preachers, and teachers. And then we go to verse 2 here. And so one day, as they were worshiping God, they were also fasting as they waited for guidance. And the Holy Spirit spoke, take Barnabas and Saul and commission them for the work I have called them to do. Now, this was the verse that turned everything upside down for me when I was um, in Africa. One day as they, it doesn't get specific to who they were. Was it the five? Was it the whole church? Was it just Paul and Barnabas? But one day as they were worshiping God, they were also fasting as they waited for guidance. And the Holy Spirit spoke. So I'm in Africa, and I'm going through this. And as I'm looking at this passage, I thought, well, I just assumed that the church tapped Paul and Barnabas on the shoulder and said, Hey, guys, you got to go. We got to send you out. I was part of an organization called Young Life and um, Young Life back in the 40s and 50s and 60s would just tap their staff members. It was this outreach to teenagers, still is, and they would say, hey, you, Mike, we need you in Illinois. So we're gonna give you a month, pack up your stuff, we need to send you there because we don't have a group there for those teenagers. And Mike would be like, sounds good, and he'd move. And then they'd tap someone in Texas, hey, we've got like 10 groups of us here in Texas. Tap, tap, we need you to go to Maryland hey, you, we need you to go to Oregon. Hey, you, sorry, you gotta go to Nebraska. You know, they'd send them to different places. I, I don't know if anybody's from Nebraska. I've never been there, so it could be fantastic. I'm just thinking of a place I haven't been to. So they, who, who did this to Barnabas and Saul? So as I'm in Africa, I'm like, and that's when it, it started to bubble up. I, I felt and sensed and knew, and that's what a calling is. Hey, you, what? And that was happening to me, it's like, Why don't you offer up the shoreline to go plant a church? And I was like, whoa, Nebraska? Uh, uh. My stomach started to churn. And then I looked at this passage, and it it didn't, maybe Barnabas and Saul came to the leaders and said, hey, there's five of us here. Like, we all can kind of, if you want, we'll go and do this thing. Now, at this moment that, well just prior to this in in chapter 12 or chronologically just before Barnabas and Saul or Paul are coming back from Jerusalem because they were bringing money to the poor down there from this small little church up here in Antioch they're going down there just coming back they come back and all of this starts to go down and as I'm in Africa and going through this I'm thinking well most people that go and plant churches they're the type of people that just say you know what I want to go plant a church and send me and I'm like, I, that's not me. One, I don't even really want to do this. And they didn't ask me, so why should I go? And I just, I could sense the Lord saying, you need to offer it up. Because that's what we do. Meaning that's what the church does. Like, you take your gifts, you take your abilities, and you say, can you use these? We're willing. We're willing for the kingdom of God. How can you use me? How can you use us? And then we'll go to verse 3 here. And so they, and they is referring to the entire church. Um, so they commissioned them and in that circle of intensity and obedience and that's why I chose the message translation I just love them including that because it's a it is when you pray and you're commissioning someone it's a circle of intensity and obedience and they were fasting and praying when you want to get serious you fast and you pray and that's why we've been fasting for these Fridays this month because we're like Lord what do you want from us what do you want us to do And we looked at different areas. We said, what about the last, the last, and the least? What about the finances? What about the staffing? What about where you want us to meet? What about service times? Lord, what do you want? Let's fast and pray about that. And then they laid hands on their heads, meaning Paul and Barnabas, and they sent them off. Or another way that that's translated is release them or dismiss them. And so that's basically how branches became. And so, when we talk about being a church for people who go to church, the calling was, we don't need another church around here. And I, was, I knew that in my heart. I, in fact, when I came and um, said, hey, this thing happened to me in Africa, and I'm talking to our, uh, you know, our leadership, and I was on that leadership team. I was one of those, that circle of leaders. I said, so this is what happened in Africa. This is what, and of course, if you say it happened in Africa, then God must have been moving, right? Because it sounds really spiritual when you say you're in Africa. So I said, this is what's going on, this is is what I read, this is what I'm thinking, and what do you guys think? And so as I laid it out, we prayed. We prayed, we did that for eight months as a church, and they were right away, let's do this, and I was like, ah, let's pray. And then I told Steph, she's like, what? I went, I know. And I said, listen, here's the deal, Steph. If God is in this, he's going to put it on your heart too. And if it's not on your heart, then it's not from him, because he's not going to send us in different directions. Um, So let's just pray and let's wait this sucker out and see if, and you know that God was in it when he was changing her heart. She's like, what? Plant a church? Change everything? My wife does not like change. Don't, no, this is how it goes, this is how we do things, don't change it up. Sure enough, it started spinning and we were, they laid hands on us and they sent us off. And the thing that really pushed me over the edge in that time of praying and fasting is we did research. Because when you pray and fast it's not just spiritual you seek counsel, you seek the the advice and the input of others and we ran across this this stat or this truth and it said that um, when you plant a new church 70 to 80% of the people that make up that community of faith will either be people that are just coming to Jesus for the first time or people that are coming back to faith for whatever reason they walked away, they were hurt they got distracted whatever it was they walked away and that is the group of people that will make up this community of faith. Now, there's plenty of churches around. However, great churches. But at th- that time, there weren't any new churches. And so sure enough, as soon as we planted a new church, there were, I-, I remember one of the leaders. Um, so it was here. It was our very first, like, grand opening Sunday or whatever. And so there's 20 of us, 30 of us running around trying to set everything up. And this guy walks in, and one of the guys on our leadership team, one of the guys that helped plant the church, looks, and he's like, What is that guy doing here? He went to high school with him. And um, he was strung out and all these, and he showed up. How did he even find out? My buddy didn't even ask him. He didn't even call him. He's like, I don't know, someone else, somehow. And so sure enough, the community of faith was made up of people that were either coming to faith for the first time or were coming home. That's what it means to be a church for people that don't go to church. Paul and Barnabas, who were they sent out to? They went all through Asia. They went all through the Middle East To go to these places that didn't, they didn't know the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we're here for. That is our simple calling. And we have to go back through that to be reminded, otherwise we lose our way. Otherwise we get distracted and we get off track. So we have to be reminded, this is what we're here for. Now as I was um, thinking about this and thinking about how to apply it to us, this truth um, came my mind for the first time it should be obvious but if you're part of a church you're going to get called like literally some of you are going to get called some of you know what I'm talking about who here at one point or another has had a call from some leadership or someone here at the church going hey I think you have this gift I think you should use this we could use your help raise your hand if anyone has called you emailed you texted you yeah some of you're not raising your hand because if you don't raise your hand then we know who to call and text so just letting you know but I, I thought about it, I'm like, that's what happens. Because we're in a mission and our goal is to empower people to do that. And in this group, it makes perfect common sense. You've got these five leaders. You've got these amazing people. You've got, in fact, one of the people that was there in that group of five was, can we go back to that verse one? Um, Lucius, the Cyrene, Simon, Barnabas, Manan, Saul, um... One of the leaders at that church was there when Jesus was walking with his cross. Let that sink in for a second. That's pretty powerful stuff. Many of you know the goodness of Christ. And God is going to call normal people that become abnormal when they meet Jesus. And in these gifts, you've got to expect that you're going to be called on. And it might not be by someone in leadership. It might be that you're reading the Word of God and you're like, "Uh uh-oh. Wait, what? Me? No, it couldn't be me. Why would it be me? It's got to be someone else more gifted or talented or skilled or knows more. I always hear that all the time. I don't think I know enough. Trust me, if you knew how little I knew, you would not want to be listening to me right now. (laughs) It's not about what you know. It's about who we know. And if he calls us, he will accomplish what he needs to be accomplished. And so you need to expect that that calling is going to happen at some time or another. And here's the other exciting thing or the scary thing. It says that they called them. Let's go to verse 2. And it says that they called them. But to what? Notice how it doesn't say where they're going. It doesn't even say what they're doing. When we felt this calling, we had no idea where. We had no idea how. And even what I thought it was going to look like is not what it ended up looking like. And so a lot of times in this calling, you don't know. You just have to obey the call. And it's this, I know this sounds, is there another word for cheesy? I keep saying this, but no one has ever, is there another one for that? There isn't, is there? So we're stuck with cheesy. All right. Well, it sounds cheesy, but it's an adventure. And these guys are called into an adventure. They don't necessarily know where they're going. They make some contacts. The first place they go to is Cyprus. Why? I don't know. Maybe because Barnabas was from there? Maybe. Maybe that. hey, you know, I, have, I know someone there. Maybe we should go there. It's not like, hey, they called us, they invited us, they set up a meeting. Where they just went. They just let's just see what happens. All the work in El Salvador, that happened. We, uh, we arrived. I'm, I'm staying with Dave. We're sitting there in this. Dave keeps coming up in this sermon. Dave, are you here? course not, out of the church. So we are sitting there in this hotel. And I'm like, so he's like, what do we do? I go, I have no idea. So we just start walking. And then we're like, where's the school? We're talking in Spanish. Over there. So we walk around. We get to the school. All right, we're at the school. Guess what? School's out of session. It's their summer. Great. So we're walking around. They're cleaning up their classrooms. You just don't know what you're doing. But we knew we were called to go there and find something. We knew that there was something, but we had no idea. That's how it's going to be. When you sense that calling very Few times are you going to know what you're supposed to do. And if you think you know what you're supposed to do, it's probably going to change, which is fine. That's all part of how this works. And so most likely you're going to be called, and most likely you're not going to know what it's going to look like. I mean, I'm looking at Katie smiling over there, and we were talking, and she's like, I feel like I'm supposed to do this nursing thing and go somewhere. And she's looking for a group, like, you know, an official group that's all put together that has a time they leave and a time they get back and how much does it cost, and this is what we're going to do. And I'm like, Katie, it ain't going to go down like that. Like, just go. Just call someone, to check in, figure it out. It's, it's something's gonna happen. And so, sure enough, she's like, Hey, what do you think? And she's like, I mean, I don't know, maybe she has flights booked and all, but that's probably how it's gonna happen. She's like, I've got this skill of nursing, I wanna do something with it for people that, that, I mean, I'm in a hospital, I'm helping people that have insurance, but what about those that don't? How do I, I don't know, Katie. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nurse, but. You're not going to know. But if you've got the calling, you've got, to, you've got to finish it. You've got to finish the job. You've got to go. That's how it's going to be. So this is a church for people who go to church. What does that look like? And in your mind, you're like, okay, we're a church people who go to church. Does that mean I need to go door to door? Does that mean I need to do this? Does that mean I need to do that? It means you just need to follow Jesus. It's that simple. You just follow Jesus. You try to love God and love others, and things are going to happen. And so... Um, uh, speaking of getting calls, I called uh, Stephen Burnett, and then he said, hey, Scott, I need your help. Okay, I'm in. So he called somebody else, and they, they, they have this skill of putting together videos and editing, and, and so we wanted to tell stories. And so Raquel doesn't even know what's happening this morning, but this morning is your video. <laughs> yeah, that's why I didn't tell you ahead of time, because I knew it would make you all nervous. And so um, when we talk about being a church for people who go to church, Branches is here for people like Raquel. <laughs> And so I said, Raquel, would you be willing to be interviewed? She's like, yeah. So we had a few other people that got interviewed. And then the boys put together a video. So, Camtron, if you could um, see nicknames. If you're part of a church, you're going to get called, you're going to get a nickname. This is the video they came up with. Just say your name and just tell us a little bit something about yourself.
2: Hi, my name is Raquel and I'm the lucky mother of two wonderful little gentlemen. Uh, Their names are Valentino and Gio. One of the greatest gifts I believe I've gotten from God is my sobriety. Um, I've been sober for five and a half years. Growing up, I didn't have the best situation. I think um, my consistent question going through the things that I went through was, If there's a God, like, why isn't he here? And what I didn't get was the fact that he always was there, but I really wasn't showing up. A lot of the healing for me has been, you know, don't go to where the love is supposed to be, but go to where it is, and I feel that love at Branches. Someone from the congregation told me about Branches. The way they got me was uh, Branches is a church for people who don't like church. And I loved that. I walked in to Branches and I reconnected with an old friend who's Melissa Hodge. And I absolutely just love her. She emanates to me what redemption is and what God is about, you know, through her actions. And I get to see the relationship that she has with her husband and with her kids and with the community. And, you know, it was just nice because I felt like I I was back home. That was about five years ago. I love people that outsides match their insides. And for me, um, Kim Duran has been huge. She had everything I wanted. And above all, you know, she loves God. So many of the conversations that we had at the beginning, I would say to her, well, this is what happened. And this is what, how do I fix it? And she would say, you just have to pray. And at the beginning, I thought that was the weirdest thing, (laughs) you know, because my thought of prayer was kind of like that um, Santa Claus God Like, okay, God, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. And I didn't understand what prayer was. And through Kim, I realized it was just that conversation. As I grow in my faith, that conversation with God is not um, right before bed or right when I wake up or when I'm about to eat. It's a consistent communication. Especially for me for so long, my question was, were you there? And so now me being there, I'd be like, okay, God, I'm here, Like, what do you have for me today? Um, I'm actually becoming who God intended me to be. Uh, so many times, because of the things that occur, um, we, we take a different path. And it's the easier road. You know, um, I feel, in, for me, that God completely stripped me of everything that I thought I should be, thought I wanted to be, and thought I was. We can't do any of this alone. And I think that's one of the challenges that people have in faith, is feeling like we have to do this alone. And the minute that I knew that there was something bigger than myself, even though I couldn't put a name or a face to it at the time, um, is when I started transforming. Some of us always want answers and we're so analytical and we, we want it like cut a certain way and to look a certain way. And it's like, when you see God and the miracles that he's creating, you know he exists. And so for me, Branches has been that constant contact that any time that I have any questions, I find the answers. Because we always feel like, you know, am I good enough? Am I qualified? And it's God does not call the qualified. He qualifies those he calls. And that's been huge for me in so many situations in my life. Even as a mother, you know, in recovery, looking at these two boys and thinking, can I do this? You know, and it's, I don't have to do it alone. I've got a huge God, I've got a huge fellowship, I've got a huge community, and this is my family now. I've really been focused on seeing God in every situation because um, that's hard sometimes. I think it's easy to see God at church and it's easy to see God through my kids, but it's the challenging moments. And what I want is for people to feel God's love through me. And then when people ask, explaining to them, like, what's changed in my life? Like for me, I had to make some choices, but uh, God gives us so many chances. If I could help share that message, there's always hope. There's absolutely always hope. I mean, one of the last things I think that really hits me, especially when I go to branches, is um, one time you said God could and would if he was sought not God could and would if he was found. And so I think that if people out there just are a little bit open and just want to know God a little bit, then it's possible. You know, it's not that final, oh, I found God because I think I seek him every day. You know, I'll be so grateful and so happy when I do find him, but just the seeking, just the getting to know him, just this relationship that I'm developing, um, it's enough. And I think if people can feel an ounce of that, then we've got some hope.
1: Perfect. Is there anything you wanted to share that you're like, oh, I wish I could have shared that.
2: <laughs> no. No, okay, no, I think I'm good. I've all shared out. <laughs> wow, <that was>
1: awesome.
2: <sighs> Thank you guys.
1: All right, I know they want to be all shy about it, but I gotta point them out. Steve. And Scott, can you just raise your hands? You don't have to stand. Okay. They're the ones that made the videos. So when you see them coming up. So they weren't in the video. So you won't know who they were. So I wanted you to see them because they were willing. They sacrificed a lot of time to do this. And they took their abilities and their gifts and they told a story. And I remember asking Raquel and the other three, hey, would you guys share your story? In fact, um, uh, a couple of people I asked, I asked that morning meaning Steve and Scott. I'm like, hey, why don't you guys share your story too? They're like, whoa, we didn't prepare anything. I was like, that's good. And when I asked Raquel, she's like, oh, what am I going to say? Okay, fine, I'll just do it because you're asking. Was that ridiculous or what? That's because she has something to share. And she probably, I have, she probably had a completely different idea what this was going to look like and how it was going to be. And she was like, look. And, and she actually said this uh, when she wrote back. She said, well, if God can use it, I'll just show up. That's what we do we're a church for people that don't go to church. I know the statement. I kind of get it. I was in Africa when the Lord put the call in my heart, but I still really have no idea what we're doing. Right? I'm giving this whole sermon. We're going through this. We're looking at Acts 13. And yet, it's this calling of like, okay, we know that God has done something good in our life, and I want other people to have that. Lord, however you can use me and others to, to... Share this good news that you loved us, that you sent your only son to live and to die and to rise again to show us full life. And I know a piece of that full life and I want it for others. If there's any way you can use me and others to make that happen, we're here. That's what this is about. I mean, you look at this church and they've got these five leaders, they only have five leaders. And they kicked out 40% of them so that they could take care of people that were outside of their church you get that what company would take their top people and say you know what go help somebody else I mean Paul and Barnabas are kind of a big deal Paul we know all of his gifts and stuff Barnabas rich he's wealthy he's a guy that had done a lot of financial stuff and they're like you know what we need to send you out you need to go and and you need to help people that are outside of here that's complete unselfishness that's what we're here for we just sat down with a couple youth leaders that were helping out we're sitting with them and and they're like we're doing this and this and we hey you know what maybe you shouldn't help out with the youth then because we need to see what's best for you you're doing these other amazing things for maybe you need to come and pray to the Lord and say hey you're gonna have to let go of something that's good so that you can choose the best and it might be serving the junior hires here at branches why do that because that's what we do we're supposed to look out for each other, and we need to look at the big sea, the big church, the big kingdom of God, and that's what we're here for, and especially for those that don't have a community of faith, for those that either haven't made the decision or have walked away, and it's gonna look like different for all of you. So in your mind, you may think you know what that looks like, but there's no way you can have an idea of what that looks like. God doesn't want you to know because then you're not in control. It's a matter of just being obedient and walking a step at a time. But we have to go through this. We have to go through this series on Simple Church. We have to discuss this in our groups because it's so easy to get lost, to get distracted, to start somewhere and end up somewhere completely different. And I want to close with a a, a story, a metaphor, an allegory, a a situation that I think um, epitomizes what I'm petrified of happening to us here at Branches. So um, we live on the coast, so you're fairly familiar with this but there are certain coasts that are a little more uh, intense. Uh, you know, Different places, like for example here in, the, in California, if you go up the coast, the wind, the waves, it's a lot more intense and there's a lot more rocks. Like you're down here at our sandy beaches, you think about being on a sailboat out there, it's not that scary, you just stay next to the coast. But in some of these areas, it's dangerous. And so one of these coastal regions, um, these normal people, were knowing that people were dying. They, they would go out on boats or they would be foreigners coming through and they would get washed up on the rocks and die. And so uh, they said, we got to do something. They saw a need and they said, we got to do something about it. They weren't trained. They, didn't, they weren't official lifeguards. But they said, we got to save these lives. We can't keep seeing this happen and do nothing. So there was this little shack on the beach. And so like two or three of the guys and they um, set up shop at the shack and they would start taking shifts. At night, because that's when it would always go down at night, and they would um, be on duty like volunteer firemen, but volunteer lifesavers to look for anyone that might be coming through that might need help. And they just figured it out. They didn't have YouTube at that time, so they're trying to figure out how to help. And they, you know, got bits and pieces from other people. And so pretty soon, they're out there saving lives. They're, you know, going out in their little boats, and um, they're bringing people in. They're taking them to the shack. They're putting towels around them, you know, getting back, their boats are demolished or whatever, feeding them, they're saving lives. And so the word kind of got out and like typically does, people like, that's awesome. And so the people are like, hey, I'll sign up, give me a shift, I'll take, I'll take Tuesdays, every other Tuesday, I'll take, I can take Mondays and Thursdays, I can do the, hey, I can't go out, but how about I bring a meal to you guys? So when you guys, that way, you know, whoever's serving, I'm gonna talk them into serving because I'm gonna make them some sweet digs and they're gonna wanna eat all this good food. Um, a couple other people said, Hey, I got this beat up couch. I'll put it. The... And then some of the people that actually got saved. Were like, this is a big deal. I know what it's like to be out there. We need to do more of this. I'm in. And I'm going to go tell some other people I know because I'm a gatherer of people. I'm going to get them to come and help. And so it started to grow. And it started to grow. They had this little shack. They're like, It's a shack. We can make this nicer. I've got some construction skills. So they built it out, made it a little bit bigger, nicer, put bathrooms in there. Um, and then some people are like, You know what? You got these little. Gross couches. Probably women. You can't, that's just, that's gross. If people are gonna come in, we need to give them something nice to sit on. Let's have some nice towels. How about washing machines so that we can wash it and then dry it so they can come up and have warm towels? They just made it, they, everyone was chipping in and it started to become this thing. And it got bigger and bigger. And then the one time, um, it, it had grown to the point where people just started hanging out because it was, it was like a club. People started hanging out at the club because it's really nice. And they'd all were friends, and so they just started hanging out together. Still a life saving club, but people would hang out all the time. And then one time, uh, a big group of people um, crashed. So they went out and they brought them in. And when they brought them in, some of the people were like, ah, you know what? They're kind of dirty. They're muddy because it's raining. Let's clean them up outside. And so then the next week they decided to build these little outdoor showers and outdoor air, kind of like the, the mudroom of the life-saving group because they didn't want them to dirty up what was going on in the actual club itself. And then as time went on, I think you know where this is going, right? This life-saving club became more of a club. And so some of them were like, you know what? The life-saving kind of drifted off and stopped happening, and it was more just a club. And some of the people that remembered the core of what it was really about said, this is wrong, this is ridiculous, this is why we did this. And so they had this little split. And they said, look, if you're not happy with the way things are being done, go start your own. So they did. They left and went and planted another life-saving club just up the coast a little bit. And then the same thing happened to that one. Split off. And now on that coast, there's a bunch of life-saving clubs. But not a whole lot of life-saving going on. Because that's what happens. We get distracted. Remember last week... Um, some people were confused, just like Dave was, like, wait, what does that mean? And I said, look, we're a fight club. We're not a social club. People are like, wait, we're fight clubs, and we fight. Another way it says, we're not a social club. We're a life-saving club. That's what we're here for. That's what we do. We're a church for people who don't go to church. What does that look like for each of you? It looks different for all of us. We all need to find our place, but that's what we're here for. And we never want to lose sight of that. We never want to be distracted. We never want to worry about the couches. We never want to worry about the boats. We never want to worry about the hours. We know what we're here for. We know what we're here to do. Now everyone that's part of this group needs to find their place. We shouldn't be shocked. We shouldn't be surprised when someone taps you on the shoulder. And you shouldn't be surprised when the Lord goes, hey, guess what? And yes, your stomach's probably going to go,
0: ah,
1: ah. As soon as I told Raquel, hey, your video's about to show. She's like, ah, she already did all the hard work. All she had to do was sit there as it was going up there. But that's what we do. Um, I'm going to close this in prayer. I want to invite the worship team up. And then if you guys could stand with me. So we are going to, uh, we always have people out here praying. So um, I'll open up this door so you can walk out that way. You can go out the back. You can sneak out this way, whatever it is. But some of our people are going to, if you want to be prayed over for whatever reason, it could be something you're going through. It could be that while you were sitting there right now, your stomach started churning because you're like, oh, I think I'm supposed to do this. You're going to go out there and pray. They're not going to counsel you. They're not going to give you advice. They're just going to pray with you or over you. So if you want that at any time during the next few songs, um, please go out there and and they will pray for you. And we had this happen the other day. Someone was out there, and you walked out. We don't wear hats or little badges or whistles. Um, and if, I was like, oh, we should probably get him some kind of little tag or something. I thought, maybe not. Because what if you're the one that's just out there, and everybody walks out, and like, hey, are you, am, am I supposed to be praying with you? Bing! You just got called on. Yes, you're praying with him. <laughs> Wait, I didn't go through the training. I don't have the badge or the hat. So if you're not sure, just go, hey, you're supposed to pray with me. I, I don't see a badge or a hat, so you, you're out here. So now I know everybody's going to avoid that area, but over there on the other side. Father God, we surrender to you in all the ways that that can look. And I ask, Father, that you would keep us focused on the calling that you've put on this church. Lord, I pray for all of our churches that you would keep us on a mission, the mission that you have for us. I know some of them look different, have different callings, but, Lord, we want to obey you, and if you need a clean house to make that happen, and throw out the couches, do what needs to happen. For your glory and for your will, we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: So we are a church for people who don't go to church, and for me, I don't know what your experience has been, but for me, it's, it makes us a very simple church. And this family is about people over production. And so what that means is that every little thing that we do, like you saying hi to somebody that you don't know, it matters. It makes a difference. And um, one of my favorite Bible teachers, he said, when you're looking to serve, where do you start? What do you sign up for? You just start right where you're at. I start right where I'm at. And the words that we pray are, here I am, Lord. Here I am right here. And I'll tell you, when we started going here, I started in the pen ministry. I just called it that in my head, the pen ministry. So I would just pick up pens, you know, and then like (laughs) in a couple of weeks after I graduated to the paper ministry and I started picking up the cards and the pens. And then I moved on to the chair ministry and I started stacking chairs. I just and it mattered because the pens that i picked up and the paper that i picked up it meant that the same 3 people here who always pick up the pens and paper they didn't have to do that it mattered and i realized i'm at a church where like it actually matters that i picked up some pens and brought them to the back you know because in a lot of places it doesn't make much of a dent but here it does and so i just want to encourage us to be people that say here i am here i am lord and we just start right where we're at. And um, like I said, I started with pens and paper. And it, Boogie had said, you know, we'll start in something. And we think we're signing up for something. And it, it will turn out to be something different, most likely. You're going to end up in a different place than where you started. And I was thinking yesterday, I bought these, um, these little shortbread cookies at a, at a store, just a little box of shortbread cookies um, for my kids. And uh, they were. ABC cookies, so they were supposed to be my kids are young, and I thought, oh, they'll love this. And we open it up and we are eating them. And I look, and it's a bag of menorah cookies. So somehow, somehow, the line, the cookie line between the menorahs and the ABCs got crossed, and all the menorahs got packed into an ABC box. And I'm eating a bag of menorahs. And I thought, that's what it's like. Like here I am doing, you know, closing and really, honestly, in my heart, I just wanted to stay in the pen ministry. Like, I was really happy to be in the pen paper ministry. But God moves us and uses us as he sees fit, and we just say, here I am. And your heart will change because you'll see that there's a need, there's something that needs to be done, and you'll say, okay, you know, I can do that. Because if you don't, there's a good chance nobody else will. So there's room here for you. You're wanted here. And so with that, um, let's Let's close. I'd just like to pray for us. So please, if you could look for a need here, and there's a huge need back with the children's ministry. There's just so much gear to pack up and put away. If you can head back there, if you can't find something here to do, just head over there for even five minutes if you can help out. It it lets everybody else get out of there too. So let's pray. Lord, we come to you now. And for some of us, we're sitting here for the first time and we've been waiting to volunteer waiting to take that step, and so right where our feet are, Lord, we say, here I am. Here I am, Lord. And so I pray, God, that you will move us in the direction that you have planned for us. We thank you that you'll walk with us every step of the way, and that even though we're not much, less of us, Lord, more of you. The less there is of us, the less we get in our own way, the more you are able to work and shine through us. And so I pray for that as a church, Lord, that we would grow together, that our roots would be deep, Lord, that we would be mighty oaks with deep, deep roots, Lord. Thank you so much for this church family and what it's meant to be. And I pray that we continue to keep our focus and our our simple plan, Lord, that you've put on our hearts. In your name we pray, amen. Have a great week.